Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Drive Time Fridays at the Dash Radio. And my name is Dawn Wright DeBrantz. The Wolfpack is here. And we have a fantastic, uh, our very first ever, uh, comedian slash keynote speaker, Mr. Jeff Justice. How are you, Jeff? I am doing great, Dawn. How are you and the Wolfpack doing there? <laughs> we're doing all right. Um, I don't know if they can hear us right now, so we're just going to go ahead and keep going. <laughs> we've had a really fun that. show, and uh, and and we we really are really excited about you coming on because we feel that comedy. I used to work comedy clubs back in the day, twenty years ago, and um, stand up is is one of my favorite all time forms of comedy. And uh, when we saw what you do. And and the kind of humor that you use and and who you're bringing it to, it, it just seemed like a really awesome fit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this before we go ahead and and move into what it is you do? Well, years ago, uh, after doing stand-up comedy for many years and moving to Atlanta, I started getting asked to do business shows like luncheons and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that when people would come down during the lunch break for the program. They'd be totally stressed out, white-knuckled, ready to put their boss through a shredder. And then after about a half hour, 45 minutes of laughter, you just see this change come come over them. And it's like, ah, I feel like I can go back to work now and not kill anybody. <laughs> and I started realizing there's got to be a connection. So I just read and studied everything about humor and stress and found that there's a huge connection. So that's what I've built the rest of my life on, showing people how to laugh more, stress less, and avoid getting burned out. That just makes complete sense. That's just awesome. So, you know, um, how did you go from being the top headlining comedian in the comedy clubs to a motivational humorist who talks about this? I mean, what? What? I mean, I know that you say that you kind of started with it, but, but, um, like, wh- what gave you the kick to it? Uh, having children. <laughs> My wife's going. Yeah, going on the road again for another two weeks. Are you? So, <laughs> using humor to reduce stress in my life. But it was it was natural. I, I got older. I was uh, in my mid-40s back in the uh, mid-90s, and the audiences in the comedy clubs weren't getting any older. They were getting younger. And I didn't like to travel. But as I said before, uh, when I started going in and doing some of these business programs and I saw the effects of laughter on stress for them and hearing time and time again from the audience members that, this is what they need to learn how to do. They need to learn how to basically implement their sense of humor to deal with that daily onslaught of stress in their lives. Because they're just taking themselves too serious. I gotcha. All right. So, well, isn't it healthy to get mad and blow off steam once in a while? You know, you would think that. Actually, I read an article in the USA Today, so you know it's true. But, uh, it was a medical article, and they talked about how they had done autopsies on men who had died in their late 50s, early 60s from heart disease, which is fairly young. And they found that 87% of them, which you know, to me, I'm no math major, but that's a huge number, 
But 87% of them, their heart was covered by lesions, uh, scarring, which is what happens when you get angry, the body pumps out adrenaline for the fight or flight syndrome. It winds up causing these little lesions in your heart that eventually scar over, making your heart less elastic, uh, more prone to heart disease. So actually getting mad, blowing off steam, has a negative effect. You'd think it would be the opposite, wouldn't you? That's really interesting because, you know, just even recently I was told to go ahead and grab a punching bag so that, you know, not only, you know, when when I need to go ahead and just, you know, zen out and meditate and do my thing, but also when I need to vent some frustration that it would be a really good physical activity, but I can see how how it could actually work in the other direction for people. But, you know, you can also do that with a state of humor in mind. You know, instead of going, I'm going to that's the boss there. You know, you're like, hey, come on, hey, take that, take that, hey, didn't see that one coming, did you, you know? <laughs> so that way you get the physical part of, of getting out, but you're not attached to it emotionally, which I think is where the problem comes. One of my favorite quotes was from the comedian Buddy Hackett. He said, you got to remember that when you're home being angry, the person that made you angry is out dancing. <laughs> Holding on to that anger is the worst thing that you can do. So, so hey, Jeff, this is John, um, Dawn's son. Is, hey, John. So actually, laughter has some really good benefits to your health, right? Oh, you betcha. Matter of fact, uh, Dr. Fry, University of Chicago, uh, says that laughing 100 times during the day has the same aerobics effect on your body as three minutes on a rowing machine. Okay, not pulling the handles, just sitting there. Uh, it actually does have the same physical benefits. And if you understand what I'm saying here, and I think you do, you know, for those in your audience that, uh, you know, go to health clubs, gyms, uh, I say quit the health spas, go to a comedy club two or three nights a week, because this way you can uh, get in shape, smoke and drink at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad information. Don't listen to that. But worry that that internal... uh, aerobic workout that you get from laughter. And actually, it has medical benefits, too. They say that uh, laughter, number one, puts more oxygen into your bloodstream, which means when you're laughing, more oxygen is getting to your brain. You're going to be more creative. And I, I believe that's why many corporations have brought me in when they have strategic uh, brainstorming sessions because they don't want people uptight. They don't want them totally serious and stressed out. They want them loosened up because they know that's when they're going to do their best thinking. And they say that uh, laughter also uh, will increase the T cells. It helps you fight cancer. Also gets your brain to release an endorphin-like effect. And uh, endorphins are your body's natural painkillers. You know, more like a hundred times more powerful than morphine. Matter of fact, my mother-in-law was in, in a nursing home. And she's a widow. She'd been there for about eight, nine years. Well, my wife's on the phone with her one night, and I come downstairs, and Diane, my wife, is just losing it. You know the type of laughter where, like, women get it sometimes, where they can't even make a sound anymore. They're just, you know, <laughs> So I'm looking at her, and she's got mascara running down her face. She's just hysterical laughing. I'm like, you know, what's the deal? And she's like, <laughs> So finally she gets off the phone. Well, it turns out that um, the the nurses on her mom's floor at the nursing home were trying to fix her up on some bizarre nursing home date that I don't even want to imagine. And they just got into this hysterical laughing fit over it. And Diane gets off the phone. She goes, 
I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. I'm like, you know, it's like 8.30 at night. But the next day, my mother-in-law calls me up. I'm like, hey, Pat, how you doing? She goes, you know, I don't know what it was, but last night was the best night's sleep I've gotten since I got in this place. And if you think about it, the only difference was the laughter, releasing that stress. Uh, My sister-in-law, Wendy, had a, a, a certain type of hepatitis that only about a quarter of a percent of the people that get hepatitis get this, and about 90% of them it's fatal. And she just refused to see the negative side of it. You know, of course, she took her meds, but she started in, because she knew I was into humor therapy, she just started laughing all the time to the point she was psychotic. You'd call up and, hey, Wendy, how's it going? How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) A year later, completely That's awesome. Now, was it the meds? Was it the laughter? Who knows? But, uh, you know, she she wasn't going to let it get her down. So, yeah, it does really have medical benefits to you. Plus, you know, again, reducing the stress, helping you get a better perspective on things. You name it. Imagine, give you an example of a buddy of mine who's actually a comedian and a very negative person. And I'm always laughing, always have a smile on my face. He's like, you know, Justice, you know, what, what is with you? You know, you're always smiling. And I said, you know, Harry, if you're not happy with who you are right now, you're never going to be happy when you get to, it, to where it is that you think you're going because you're still going to be winding up with the same person that you're on now. Because he was always saying, well, I'll be happy when I get on Letterman or Leno and stuff. And I said, that doesn't make any difference, man. You're going to be happy with who you are right now. And uh, he still never believed it. So I've been happy for the last 20 years. He's been miserable because <laughs> he still hasn't made it, and his happiness is based on that. You know Richard Jenny, the comedian? No. Well, fact, uh, I'm talking oh, about. yeah, 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 Richard Jenny. Yeah. Yeah, he wound up committing suicide um, uh, just a few years ago. And the, the word on it that I got is that he just felt his career never hit where he wanted to hit. And... You know, he'd had a few breaks. He was in some movies like The Mask with uh, Jim Carrey, had his own show, Platypus Man. Very, very funny comedian. But that wasn't what his happiness was based on, and he wound up picking his own life. So that happiness has to come from inside. And you sound like somebody meditate. You probably have the same type of philosophy, don't you, Don? Absolutely. I I mean, I worked comedy clubs all through the 80s and um, have have found that uh, the number one thing that I can do if I'm feeling down, I call my best friends and we laugh until we cry and make squeaking sounds. And uh, and <laughs> it's something that my husband sends me off to do if uh, whenever he can, if I'm you know in any way looking or seeming stressed, it's absolutely my best form of therapy. So. Uh, I, I can't. I couldn't agree more. I I don't know. I don't know how people live their lives being um, uh, happy or sad based on what's going on externally. Because um, you know, I can always find a place of happy or a reason to smile or something that I'm extremely grateful for in my life, even in the darkest days. You know, it's your point of view, right? And Absolutely. You can take anything and treat negative or positive, and you don't have to make fun of it. No, this uh, people would say to me, well, you know, not every situation is funny. And I said, well, tell me one that isn't. They said, how about funerals? I'm like, God, how many times have you heard uproarious laughter at, at funerals? I, Absolutely. That, I, was, I was at my neighbor's funeral, and my wife and I were hysterical laughing because it was here in, 
in Georgia, and the priest was one of these old southern preachers, and for some reason, uh, when he would come up to the word comfort, which he said like 20 to 30 times in a 15-minute eulogy, you know, he would say, comfort. <laughs> he must have comfort. <laughs> and after about the third time, Diane and I couldn't even look at each other any, anymore. <laughs> and then my, my, my two-year-old started having gas, loud gas at the time. <laughs> the two of them were very sophomore, so we were just in tears laughing. And everybody's looking back at us like, you know, we're morons. And we're just <laughs> Literally, you know, Barton Church. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. But, well, uh, we've got a couple of seconds for um, for our sponsors, and we'll be right back with Jeff. Jeff. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level, for email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Dash with our special guest, Mr. Jeff Justice, on laughing more, stressing less, and avoiding getting burned out in the workplace. And uh, it's super good to have you, Jeff. Thank you so much for, for joining us on this Friday. Peace to us, Mio, for Latin speaking friends. <laughs> hey, Jeff, this is Aaron. Um, Aaron, another little... pack member. <laughs> Can can you elaborate a little bit more on the laugh more, stress less before you get burned out that you tell a lot of your audience members to go by? Well, you know, people get so serious about life. I always tell them, you know, don't take life so seriously. So far, you know, no one's gotten out of it alive. <laughs> Eventually, you're going <laughs> to die. Being, a, being able to use your sense of humor to deal for stuff, you know, deal with things. Like me, when I was a little kid in, in school, I was always a class clown. You know, what a shock, huh? But somehow I always knew that if I did something funny in class and I got the teacher to laugh, I wouldn't get in trouble. Of course, uh, if they didn't laugh, I got a chance to rehearse it, try to get on the principal. So <laughs> sometimes I got the point I was doing two shows a day. <laughs> but you know, when I got to the workplace, people were so uptight, and you know, you don't want to laugh out loud sometimes. You know, that's your external sense of humor. Like uh, when your boss tells you, you know, what your bonus isn't going to be this year. No, that's not a good time to go. That's <laughs> hysterical. You know, what they want you to do that weekend. That's the time for internal laughter. That's when you use your sense of humor inside instead of outside. Or you can use the reframe the situation. Like one guy late to work all the time. His manager finally says to him, that's it. No more. You know, you've been late three or four times. I've heard every single excuse out of you. 
That's it. One more time late, you're gone. No excuses. So for the next three days, the guy is uh, right on time. Fourth day, though, 9 o'clock comes around, he's not there. 9.15 comes around, still not there. Finally, 9.35, the guy comes walking in the front door, walks right up to his manager, sticks out his hand. He says, Mr. Johnson, hi, my name's Bob Jackson, and uh, I'd like to apply for the job. I understand it came open 35 minutes ago. His manager laughed. He wound up keeping the job. And you think about it, he just used humor to reframe the situation. Right, where most people would walk in and try to apologize, come up with an excuse. He already knew an excuse wasn't going to work. Have you ever heard the one about the guy who was speeding? No. And a cop comes up behind him, and he really takes off. Now he's going like 100 miles an hour. Finally, the guy pulls over. Cop comes up to the guard and goes, what the hell is wrong with you? You're going 100 miles an hour. He goes, well, i got to tell you, officer, last night my wife ran off with a cop, and I thought he was you trying to bring her back. I actually have heard that one, Jeff. <laughs> well, I'm not saying this is original, pal. I'm just giving you some examples, okay? But, I mean, that's just it. Using your sense of humor uh, to reframe situations. Like I said, whether it's, um, you know, internal or external. I work a lot with court reporters around the country. I do a continuing education seminars for them. And there's a lot of negativity in their life in the courtroom, and they have to use their sense of humor to help deal with it, to deal with the stress. Now, I always love the story about this guy who used to come home every day and his neighbor would see him come in. He'd, right before he walked in the house, he'd touch a tree right outside the front door. In the morning, he'd come outside again, he'd touch a tree on the way out. And after watching the guy do this over a period of weeks, finally, one day, the guy goes over and says, hey, Bob, I've got to ask you, every time I see you walk in the house, you touch that tree over there. In the morning, you walk out and you touch it again. What's the deal? He says, well, that's my problem tree. He says, every night before I go in the house, I take my problems from work, I hang it on the tray. Don't have them at night. Next morning, I pick them up again to go back to work. That's awesome. So it's, a, it's a state of mind. You know, it's, it's, you, know, you can control things. I mean, you, know, you don't have to look at things negatively, you know, or just because everybody else is uh, bummed out about something. You know, you, you know, how does this affect you? you know, I always think, think of when you're going to be 75 or 85 years old, and looking back at the situation that you're in right now that you think is just so stressful or so, you know, important, and how is that going to affect you when you're that? You probably won't even remember it. You know, so just put things in perspective. And that's, that's my, my biggest thing, using humor to, to, you know, to laugh at yourself. Like after one show, I had a young guy come up and says, man, you look like that dude on TV. And I said, yeah, I know. I hear it all the time, you know. Who, Jack Foxworthy? He goes, no, the neighbor on The Simpsons. <laughs> Thanks, pal. I'll clean, don't clean to you, too. So, again, being, being able to laugh at yourself. Right? That, that, to me, if, if, if I was going to go to a program, they said, you can only say one sentence. I'd say, learn to laugh at yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just stop taking yep. yourself. Yeah. Hey, this is Alex. Hey, Alex. And you kind of started to touch on it when you were answering this past question, but what is the function of humor in stress management? It's a release valve, and it helps you put things in perspective. Have you, uh, you ever noticed some of the, that last one to get real nervous? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a release valve. And, uh, you know, sometimes things just get so stressed out. I know with my wife and I, we've had times where things were just so stressful, we just started laughing and 
It just washed everything away. But again, yeah. mostly it, it's putting things in perspective for you. Yeah, I have yeah, a daughter. I have a daughter, Susie, who whenever she would be in trouble, she would laugh, or whenever she would get nervous, she would laugh. And um, it got her in a lot of trouble for a while because <laughs> everyone thought that she was the one who did it and that she thought it was funny. But she would always just laugh whenever somebody was really angry as a stress reaction. And it took us a, a couple of years of her being in a lot of timeouts before we figured out that she was never the one who did it. She was just <laughs> laughing at her fear. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, you know, I, I sound just like her because uh, when I used to get nervous, I would smile. And I remember so many times in the principal's office, of course, I did things wrong, too. But then I'd be in the principal's office, and they'd go, Mr. Justice, do you think this is funny? And I'd look at this ear-to-ear grin on, and i go, no, why are you smiling? I'm like, I'm all, I always smile. You know, it's <laughs> my thing. It's what I do. But, you know, uh, have you been in embarrassing situations with, um, you know, with kids? You know, the great thing about being a humorist is you can take something bad that happens to you or embarrassing that happens to you, and the first thing that I'm thinking is, oh, this is going to make a great story. <laughs> it's like uh, my daughter, my youngest daughter was at that age that if I'd shopping somewhere and she had to go to the party, I would take her, you know, in the men's room, you know, which is well, fine with me. So it's one time when I'm all, she's got to go. I get her in a stall. Now there's a guy in the stall next to us minding his own business. And she's got to look down. She's like, Daddy, look at that man's shoes. They look nasty. I'm like, could you just be quiet and go? <laughs> and then this poor this poor guy has this horrendous you know, gas attack. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to ignore it. And she's like, What was that? <laughs> now, what do you say? I'm like, the man was just clearing his throat. <laughs> but his breath stinks. <laughs> you know, it's like those things happen to you and you just look at them and go, you know, that's going to make a great story. Matter of fact, I had a woman come up after I told that story one time. She goes, I had the same type of thing happen in the ladies' room. I said, oh, really? She goes, yeah, I had my daughter in a stall there, and a, a woman a few stalls down had the same type of explosive event. My daughter went, oh, what's Daddy doing in here? thing I love about, like I say, but doing humor is I'm always looking for the funny side of stuff. I'm sorry, you were going to say something? Hi, Jeff. Hi. This is Andy. <laughs> um, Another one. Yeah, but you got like 50 people in there. you got, you got like a okay. man, a bus or something. Okay, Friday drive time. I told you. It's a pack now. Okay. <laughs> okay, Andy. Could you talk about your idea of laugh your way to the top? Yes, and it's one of the things that I've discovered uh, since I, one of the things that I, I guess I didn't mention is I've also got probably the most successful school for stand-up con- uh, comedy in the country here in Atlanta. I've graduated over 2,200 students, I think it is now, uh, in the past 20 years. And it actually started when I first moved to Atlanta. I'd go to a local comedy club to work on new material, and uh, I noticed some of the amateurs just doing stuff that I saw was incorrect. 
And I found the ones that I gave advice to instantly. I mean, the next time they were on stage, they were funnier than the time before. And after a while, about eight of them got together and said, would you put together some type of class and just you know, tell us what you know and, and, and give us a hand here? So I was like, sure. So I like stapled about four sheets of paper together from one of Judy Carter's old stand-up comedy books and did the class, and we did this graduation. At the end of the graduation, these people's friends came up and said, hey, do you ever do this for normal people? I'm like, well, <laughs> no. I don't know. I said, you know, this is like back in 1990 before email. And I said, but you know, give me your phone number. If I ever decide to teach it again, I'll give you a call. And like I said, 2,200 and something students later. But what I started hearing from, uh, two things. One, I started telling my students to put the comedy class that they performed at the Punchline, which is the big class here, a big comedy club here in Atlanta, on their resume. Well, the ones that did it would come back and say, unbelievable. That's all anybody wanted to know about. I went through like four or five people for my interview. Every single one of them, the first thing they wanted to ask about was uh, me performing on stage because it seemed like such an out-of-the-box, unusual thing for people to do. And I started researching it, and, they, and it turns out that people that interview people for jobs think that people who have a sense of humor are going to wind up getting along better with others, being more relaxed when things are stressed out. There was one woman from Sun Microprocessing Systems that actually would time how long it would take an interview person to either laugh or say something humorous during an interview because they knew that they could keep their sense of humor during a stressful situation like an interview that when things got crazy on the job, they would be able to use it as well. But then as I taught the class over the years, I noticed I'd hear back from students and they started moving up in companies the ones that were in, like, low management positions. And every one of them would say, Jeff, I really think it's my ability to speak now and use humor to get my points across. I had one of them I actually got to give a program with. He was with AT&T, had moved up to one of the uh, high senior management positions. He and I did a program together. And when we got the evaluations back, the people in the audience graded him as funny and as high as a – not that I was high or anything, but I mean, you know, in as good marks as, as they gave me. And this is this is one of my students, a management person. And then the first time uh, I talked to him afterwards, he says, Jeff, one of the great things about humor was I didn't realize how many uh, men in my company were uh, going bald. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, now when I talk, people start laughing and bend over, and I can see the top of their heads, and I'm going, oh, wow, he's losing his hair. He's losing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, we're we're about to cut for our last commercial break. But as a professional, you know, I've I've always felt that you know you have to be you know super hyper professional and you know get real serious at, at business presentations for people to take you seriously. But you're saying that you know really using humor can really add edge and advantage. Can you elaborate for about a minute? We have about a minute left before we got a break. You don't want to be a comedian. You're not there to make people laugh. I tell people to never use humor in a business presentation except for making a point. And, and that's one of the things that you, that you was great for is driving a point home. And there's actually a mathematical formula that if you start off something with something humorous uh, for your presentation, what, it's going to create great expectations. And what you need to do is either say or do or show a slide that's humorous about once every seven minutes 
in order to keep everybody's attention. And if you like, I'll elaborate more on using human pre- humor in presentations when we come back. That would be awesome. And we'll just take a break right here, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. Okay, and I was just notified that because I've already done an hour-long show, I'm miscounting how many breaks we have left, and we're only at the 30-minute mark right now. (laughs) So time's flying backwards for me, Jeff. But, um, yeah, please get into a little bit, um, for those of you who are just joining us, we have Jeff Justice, who is a comedian and a professional speaker and and brings business and comedy together. Um, And he was just going over with us, how to add humor into your business presentations and not be unprofessional. So if you could elaborate on that, Jeff, it's really, really interesting stuff. Well, wouldn't you agree that you would much rather listen to somebody who used humor during the presentation than someone that didn't? Absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten to the point when I do corporate programs, a lot of times uh, we'll have a big auditorium, hundreds and hundreds of people there and, the meeting planner will say, oh, we saved your seat right up front, and you know some of the executives are going to speak before you go on, and I'll tell them, you know, I really need to stay in the back here because I have to go in and out, and I don't want to disturb everybody. And they're like, oh, okay. I don't want to sit in the front because I've actually fallen asleep <laughs> mm-hmm. during the, the Big Brass's presentation. Cause it's just, you know, people are standing up there and just reading everything that's on a PowerPoint, or they just feel that since they're the boss, everybody's glued to every single word. Well, I tell you what, everybody is texting and uh, emailing the whole time that they're on there, the ones that, that feel like they can't be seen, and they're not paying attention. And humor grabs their attention. But you gotta you got to know how to use it. Uh, and this is actually part of a business presentation uh, that I do, and I, I already talked to you about you only use humor to make a point. You don't want to just go up there and tell jokes. Uh, you know that's counterproductive to to what you want to do. Uh, you can use like and you can use humor to drive home any type of point. Like even something that's serious, like like statistics, there's something that's pretty dry. You could say use what I call the sandwich technique. Well, I don't just call it that. Everybody calls it this, but uh, <laughs> use the sandwich technique, which is uh, repeat, use humor, repeat. So I might say something like uh, statistics can be confusing to people. Kind of like the time that Yogi Berra went into a restaurant and ordered a pizza. And the waitress says, do you want me to cut that in four slices or eight? He said, oh, you better make it four. I don't think I could eat eight. Statistics <laughs> 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 are confusing. So that's a way that you can use humor with a really dry subject. 
Uh, one of the biggest mistakes that people make using humor during the presentation is they say something humorous and they keep going. They don't give the audience a chance to laugh. If you want to be funny, you got to learn to shut up because you're going to keep. Right, it's just true. You can train an audience not to not to laugh. You keep cutting them off. So, if you're going to say something that you think is humorous, you have to stop talking and give the audience a chance to laugh. I'll give you a great example of this. I had a woman take my uh, my comedy workshop, and she was just naturally funny. I'm one of those people that southern accent, and she could probably read a phone book and be funny. And at the first class, she said, well, Jeff, the reason why I'm taking this class is I do educational presentations and uh, do five of them a week, hour-long presentation, and I got stuff in there I know is funny, but I just never, ever get a laugh. And I said, I, well, I can't believe that. I'm just meeting her. I, I couldn't believe that. Well, when she came in to do her first joke the next week, I understood why, because she did this joke that was about three minutes long, and she never stopped talking. And I told her, you got to stop. you got to give people a chance. Well, I'm just afraid they're not going to laugh. Well, I said, well, you can guarantee they're not going to laugh by keep talking, or you can at least stop talking and, and find out for sure. Well, she said next week, that uh, Monday, she just couldn't stop herself, wound up going right through the presentation, didn't stop, no laughs. Next day, she said, finally, in the morning, she knew one in the beginning of her presentation was a pretty pretty funny thing she was saying. She forced herself to stop laughing. She goes, I'm practically biting my lip. People started laughing, and then I couldn't take it. I started talking to shit up. <laughs> and she goes, then the next day, I forced myself two or three more times to stop. They kept laughing. said, by the end of the week, she had to take 15 minutes out of her presentation because people were laughing so much. And she goes, it has just totally changed my life. So shut up's important. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, this is John again. I, was, I noticed you actually have a CD on how to ad lib like a professional or just look like one. How do you how do you actually teach somebody how to ad lib? There's no better ad lib than a well prepared ad lib. <laughs> you know, people people look at at comedians like Robin Williams. No, probably one of the number one questions I, I get in my comedy class is, "Well, why can't I just be spontaneous like Robin Williams?" And I said, "Well." He's not spontaneous, you know, when he's doing one of those big shows. Oh, what are you talking about? He's just saying things off the top of his head. He said, no, he's saying things that he's, he's said many, many times before, and he's making it look like he's saying it off the top of his head. And he said, granted, there might be a few original things that he comes up with people in the audience, but he said, think about it. Do you think that HBO or Showtime is going to hand him a few million dollars and say, well, what are you going to say up there? Eh, I don't know. I'll think of something. <laughs> not gonna so what I've done over the years is I've written down every funny thing that I've come up with uh, during a presentation. I've also written down some that other people have come up with that were too funny to pass up. And I've also, this is the key, is written down those things. Do you ever have a situation happen where something happens, you don't know what to say, you're left there with your mouth hanging open, and on the way home, you go, oh, and what do you say? <laughs> you know what I should have said? Yeah, <laughs> yeah every time. <laughs> that every time. Yep. And that happens to me all the time. And what I do is I write that down because that's going to happen again. Oh. And then the next time it happens, I practice it and practice it. And sure enough, the next time it happens, I am ready. But I've said it so We're going to keep a notebook on hand for those I moments. I'm ready to prowl. 
that's oh, awesome. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said, that was just brilliant what you came up with. I go, oh, you mean, I'm saying to myself, oh, you mean that thing I came up with 13 years ago and said about 800 times since then? <laughs> I actually was at the Punchline Comedy one time, and uh, you know Sinbad, the comedian? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Sinbad was on stage, and I talk to the audience sometimes, he does too, and I'm watching him from the back, and I'm going, God, he is just brilliant. I said, I'm funny, but, man, the stuff he's coming up with off the top of his head is just unbelievable. And uh, two days later, I had to come back and talk to the owner there again. Sinbad's the headliner for the week, so he's on stage again, and I'm watching him. Same exact jokes. Found another guy in the audience with a stupid tie. Found these two guys sitting together. Found some girl that was having a bachelorette. I mean, he had his jokes, but the way that he delivered them, it sounded like he was saying it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 the key. It's uh, your voice is what's so important. I, I deal a lot with uh, senior management people, and I keep trying to tell them that it's a, their voice and not their words that tells the listener what's important. What they emphasize, what 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 they push, because they just want to flatlining and sounding monotone for the whole presentation, thinking that information is what's important. I go, no, you got to drive it home. You got to say this is what's important. So it's uh, that's one of those things that everybody needs to know. But uh, hey, uh, so Ed, so Ed Levin, what you do is like with my CD that I have, it's got my best ad libs. And uh, I think there's about 90 of them on it. And, again, some of them are from other people that were just too good to to pass up on. And it gives the ad lib. It gives my response for it. And then it's got a practice session that has all the the situations that you've got to come up with an ad lib. So you practice it. Because the worst thing is you read the book. Uh, That's why I don't do the book anymore because people read the book. One time they go, that is great. Oh, I've got to use that. And, that, and while six months later, the situation pops up, and they're on stage going, uh, what did Jeff say to say? Hmm. Oh, uh, oh, 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 I got it. And that kind of kills the ad lib right there. <laughs> so you've got to practice them so it sounds like it's the first time you ever said it, and you, and you just thought of it right off the top of your head. Now, yeah. like, I, I did a, a program for a big company here in town, and, we're in the middle of the dinner, and I'm explaining to one of the meeting planners uh, what I'm going to do, and as I step back, I hit one of those bus trays of dishes, and it is full. There's got to be 40 dishes on this thing, and they all crash to the floor and, and smash. And the entire audience of a few hundred people just stop dead in mid-bite and look over at me, and I just looked around and said, job opening! <laughs> <laughs> Now, I've used I've used that hundreds of times in comedy clubs when a waitress would drop a drink or uh, a customer would break a glass because everybody would stop and look at that person. You say job opening at my last, and now you can go back to the show again. Perfect. So they got to be well rehearsed, and that, that's just it. If, in, in a business situation, I think it was Jay Leno that said, "If you write ten jokes, you're going to be lucky if two of them get laughs." But if you perceivably make up ten things on stage, about eight of them are going to get laughs. And if the audience perceives what you're saying is something that you just made up, the ad libs get you actually much bigger laughs than the, the humor that you use. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that. You working in comedy clubs all these years, probably some of the biggest laughs were when the 
comedian on stage messed up, said something they didn't mean to say, something happened in the audience, something yelled, somebody yelled out something, they said something back to him. Am I right? Absolutely. Ron, this question was for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, now, you've been bragging about comedy clubs. What comedy clubs did you work at? Um, well, actually, I, I had been in the at the Punchline in Atlanta. Um, I did not you work did. that particular comedy club, but uh, my husband Jeff and I went there, and uh, and we we saw some shows there. And then I worked in New York over at um, oh gosh, it used to be called the Dial Tone, and then it was Polo's Polo's Comedy Club. Um, I worked up there for a few years, and then uh, I was down in North Carolina. And I can't remember the name of the place in North Carolina that I worked in, and I worked another one in Florida. So, um, But mostly two years at the Polo Comedy Club in Brewster, New York, uh, was, was my home. And it was a blast. Oh, oh, it is. I mean, what a great place to work. We always knew that if we if we had the waitresses laughing, we must be funny because they heard everything. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, the waitresses yeah. and bartenders came up and said, that's funny. We're going, oh, that was funny tonight. Yeah. And the and the best part of it was, you know, the customers were happy. You know, everybody was happy. So, you know, you're making great money too, as in the bar bartending and and cocktailing positions, because people are happy. So they they don't mm-hmm. mind tips well, and you know they're they're doing well, and you know they're just it's a it's a really positive work environment. It's really hard to be angry in a comedy club. Mm-hmm. So having a bad night at work is pretty challenging. Yeah, it's kind of hard to laugh and be angry at the same time. That's why I always yeah. see you on my mom. Right? Yeah. And I'm sure with your kids, you ever try to stay angry with them when they're uh, when you're laughing? Yeah, right? well, you know, it's- interesting. Interesting. Um, back in the day, I was friends with a an elementary um, educator, and she and I had a kid who would not stop whining. And she told me that whenever they were communicating and they would start to whine, that I had to tell them that they could only talk to me if they were smiling because a child could not physiologically whine and smile at the same time. And it was really good advice. Absolutely worked every time. My kid would normally stomp his feet and get mad at me and be like, I don't want to smile, you know, but they'd stop <laughs> whining. Um, so it's absolutely brilliant. I, you know, I've never heard that advice before, but that is great advice. I'm going to start using that in my program. Yep, absolutely brilliant. Her name was Yvonne mm-hmm. Pope. Just give her credit okay. where <laughs> oh, oh, no, I'm taking credit for it. That's it. I can't remember her name. I was on some radio sometime. I don't know. It had a pack of wolves on it or something, but they said. <laughs> All right. So we've got about one minute before the – well, we're, we're ready to roll to our next commercial break. We'll be back in just two minutes with Jeff Justice. Are you in a run about your taxes? No more with this simple template. Your business deserves the best, and so do you. Try our simple bookkeeping formula. You'll look organized, find your receipts, and you might even get a write-off. One thing is for sure, you'll thank us. Visit bit.ly forward slash the dash taxes. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash D-A-S-H taxes. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronx and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. 
and like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to our last segment on today's Drive Time with The Dash. And um, we have fabulous Mr. Jeff Justice. And uh, Jeff is talking about how to laugh more, stress less, and avoid getting burned out at work. And um, we, I, I just want to quickly give you a quick bump here, Jeff, because uh, we haven't mentioned it. So for anybody who wants to go ahead and grab Jeff's CD on um, – what was it, on improv, ad-lib, you can go ahead and and hop on over to our resources section and and do it through Amazon, or you can go, can can they pick it up on jeffjustice.com? They sure can. All right, so that's jeffjustice.com. So make sure you go on over and share the love with Jeff, and uh, and, uh, we're going to have, or we already have a post up on jeff on the dash radio.com, or we'll have it after, so um, be sure to get over there and pop on over and send us your comments and uh, and let them know what you think. So who has the next question? John? Hey, hey Jeff, this is John again. Um, what's, this will be something interesting to talk about. What's the fine line between appropriate and inappropriate for, for joking around or humor at a workplace environment? Well, don't talk about the John. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard that joke before, have you? Well, yeah, the fine line is it amazes me how many guys still don't understand what sexist humor is or or even racist humor. I mean, inappropriate humor in the workplace is a big thing. I I, I hear bosses all the time getting up there and saying negative things about uh, things about the female employees, and, you, and you know, the women kind of have this kind of frozen smile on their face because it is the boss, but they can't believe they just said that. And it, it, it's just amazing that they don't have the uh, the common sense to know that's wrong. And I find that a lot in my comedy classes, uh, guys will come in and do jokes, and, and I have rules in my classes about being clean and, and what have you, and how many of them are doing jokes that are just, Bad, sexist, uh, racist jokes, jokes about uh, you know rape or things, and you're just going no, 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 and you know these are funny with your, your buddies, but it's not for you know mixed company you know type of stuff. And I, I just think there's a lot of people at work that just don't know the difference between that. So my theory is, when in doubt, leave it out. Like if I had to say to Don today, Don, I'm thinking about doing this joke on your show, and uh, I'm not sure it's appropriate for your audience. Well, what I'm really saying to her is, I don't think this this uh, joke is appropriate. I think it's a bad joke, but hey, maybe you can convince me. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. So <laughs> don't take a chance with it, right? Absolutely. Nobody will ever come up to you after a presentation at work and say, you know, I liked it, but it was just too clean. No, I don't think <laughs> so. So, Jeff, what, what is it that you absolutely love about what you do? Well, you said it before about being a, a waitress in a comedy club. What other job do you get to go to? And people are laughing the whole time. People are feeling better after they leave you than before they got there. And a lot. To, I, I also do a lot of mind body stuff. So when I'm doing some of my bigger seminars, I'm introducing people to, um, I guess, parts of life that I've discovered that they've never been exposed to before. And when all of a sudden they can see 
this co- huge connection between their mind and their body, and they realize that their thoughts do affect their general everyday health. Uh, it's to me that's the greatest thing in the world. When also I see people's heads start shaking, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I see what you're talking about there. You know that you know why should I be angry about this stuff? Or me getting mad at this person absolutely hurts that person not at all, and it's doing all this damage to me. And when you know when you get a chance to affect people and turn lights on like that, it, it's great. And my comedy workshop that I do which I eventually we're going to get online one of these days. But to me, that is just so huge to see people who have used humor uh, to change their lives. I, I had a buddy of mine that took the class uh, years ago, and about four years later, we were all together for New Year's Eve. And he said, you know, I, I've, I've never told you, but taking that class is one of the best things I ever did in my life. I said, I've always been so serious they're taking things so seriously, and that class really taught me to laugh at myself, laugh at the negative things that go around, uh, go on around me, and it's just changed who I am. And his wife agreed uh, with him 100%. So, you know, basically she was saying, yeah, he was a real jerk before he took the class, but no, now he's bearable. <laughs> but, but when I've had people that uh, have taken – I mean, one guy took the class, and he said, uh, you know, my whole life I've been in band, in, in high school, college – and people always calling me a band nerd, and it used to just really tick me off. And I've really spent, you know, years and years trying to defend myself that I wasn't a band nerd, that band was really cool. And he said, you finally taking this class, I realized, uh, you know, I'm a band nerd. <laughs> and, and he said it felt like a 40-pound weight just fell off his back. And he was able to laugh at it, and it didn't cause him stress anymore. So that that's the key. Find that you know if you're laughing at something about yourself, how can people use it against you? Because you're already laughing at it. And I believe it was Bill Cosby that once said, and this was after his son died, is that once you find the humor in the situation, you can deal with anything. You've okay. got to find that humor. But that's what helps you hold on. I remember there, there was uh, there was a woman who was dying, she was lying on her deathbed, and her her three sisters are gathered by the bed. And you know, one of them said, whispers to the other, she goes, you think she can hear us? <laughs> and, uh, and the sister who's lying on the bed goes, I'm just dying. I'm not deaf. He <laughs> <laughs> said all of them just burst into laughing. It was just this, this wonderful humorous uh, uh, moment for everybody. <laughs> That's just humorous healing. Absolutely. Like say, you can find the laughter. You can deal uh, with anything. My dad passed away. Uh, my brothers and I and my mom went out to dinner, and by the end of the dinner, we were laughing about things with Dad because she was just crying. And we're going, this is just such a great gift to be able to give her, to be able to let all that out and, and, and find the humor in it, you know, instead of the sadness. Absolutely. So I've, had, I've had a lot of death I'm, in my life, and, and, like, it really just, you know, some people go through their whole lives, they never have one person die, and I, I just so happened to have one of those lives where I was at a lot of funerals of a lot of people that I cared about um, growing up from, from the time I was seven seven years old. My best friend dies, and, and it just happened time after time after time after time. And at every single one of those events, uh, funeral events and family get-togethers, one of my most poignant and favorite memories in every single solitary situation was huge amount of, like, beautiful gut laughter through tears about 
times with the deceased. I think it's one of the most healing healing moments of uh, for the people who are left behind and still here um, to be able to have that that time. It's it's brilliant. It is, it, and, we, and we need that healing when we're the ones that are left behind. Yeah, right? and it gives you good memories to to sit. And I mean, you'll giggle for days after after the funeral for days about it. I remember when my wife's uh, mother was in that uh, nursing home. It just so happened that she had six or seven different roommates in a row that passed away. Oh, my goodness. And, and finally, after the last one, when I said, Pat, you're starting to go through roommates like a, knife, a hot knife through butter. She goes, yeah, they're starting to call me the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, my wife and I started imagining what it's like in the in the um, you know in her nursing room uh, home. You know, people going, "Okay, well, we're going to put you in two sixteen with a packed, you know, five for." No, no, that's not. A- <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you think about it, people dying. That's not funny, but in that situation, yeah, you know, exaggeration is <laughs> almost always funny. But <laughs> I just loved it. She came around with that saying. Yeah, they're calling me the Terminator. I thought it was just hysterical. <laughs> yeah, from coming, coming from like a 77-year-old woman. But she found the humor on it. Awesome. You know, it wasn't like, they're starting to call me the Terminator. No, she, <laughs> she knew it was funny and, you know, saw the humor. Absolutely. But I, my mom was one of those people that always had a great sense of humor. She could, she could get you laughing just telling you uh, about her trip to the grocery store that day. <laughs> and it's just you know it was a great gift. I'm not a big storyteller, but she you know she was just great like that. With my dad, I love him. Rudy didn't. Uh, I mean, it, let me change that. He had a good sense of humor, but he didn't really get humor. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he was great with a laugh. He had his one joke he always told, but you know, if I told him a joke, you know, you know, he and he'd look at me and go, "Well, Jeffrey, I don't." Then you could actually build a bridge from here to the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the joke, okay? <laughs> so, so, so uh, he, he, I'm sorry, you go on. No, that's okay. I just, I just wanted to say that you know, I we, I know that you have another whole segment that you do, and I would really love for you to come back in a couple of weeks and and spend some more time with us if you'd be, if, we, if you'd be willing to, um, because this is an entrepreneurial radio show, and um, you know, although this is all about humor in the workplace, and it's a mission critical thing, and and laughing more and stressing less was my pick. Um, I'd really love to be able to bring you back so you could talk more about how to pr- how you pursued a profession in comedy and for people out there who would really like to make laughter their chosen profession, um, how they can go ahead and get started. So if I can convince you to come back and we can have you maybe a couple Fridays from now um, come back on with us at drive time, we would really love to have you. Well, two, two Fridays from now I'll be on a plane heading to Kathmandu, hopefully making children laugh in an orphanage. So You know, I lived in Alex and I lived in Kathmandu for a year. You did? Yes, so I am going to send you to a couple of people. Um and most definitely we'll have to talk after the show or or next week before you go and uh, I'll send you to a couple of really special people over there. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, we sponsor a child in an orphanage there, so I'm going over to meet her personally for the first time after ten years now that she's in college. So that'd be pretty cool. Absolutely awesome. 
Awesome. So, yeah, Kathmandu is an awesome place, an eclectic community with some really great business owners, and uh, I can I can probably get you a comedy gig over at the New Orleans Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at the Brahma and Brewski. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's the Yak and Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. So Yak and I, Yeti, I like that better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's some really cool places over there. So we'll talk more, and um, we'll we'll definitely schedule something. And and I'd love to have you back on. And and we do appreciate you bringing laughter to the world and laughter to to all sorts of business situations. Because you're right. If you if you lose your sense of humor, then you just don't deserve to be up there. <laughs> That's it. Get out. Right. out of my so way. Thank you so much, everybody. Get over to JeffJustice.com, and um, and we will see you on Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for some more Dash Radio. Thanks, and have a great weekend. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the show. At The Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows that happen every Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon. <laughs>